Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. There's several scriptures that I want to start out with this morning as we uh, we begin. Um, we want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter seven, also Jeremiah nine, Hosea six, and John seventeen. Of course, our word for the year is 2020 perfect vision. And in talking about vision, whether it happens to be for us personally or whatever, um, we're looking at beginning with understanding and knowing God and who he is, what he's all about. And that is the thing that will make things most clear for us. So let's begin reading with Deuteronomy chapter seven, uh, verses nine and ten. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations and repays them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hates him. He will repay him to his face. Okay, then to Jeremiah Chapter nine. This is one you may want to make an asterisk by market, save it, whatever you do, because this will be um, an important one as we move along. Jeremiah nine verses twenty three and twenty four. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this. So it's okay to glory in something. All right. God said, but let him that glorieth glory in this. And what is he going to glory in? Number one, that he understands. Number two, that he knows me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment or justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. If you want to talk about a scripture that helps us to to zero in on God and to understand him and know him better. This is these are two good scriptures right here because they tell us a lot about what's on the inside of God, what's in his heart and what he desires in the earth for mankind. See, getting to know the Lord is not as difficult as we've made it. We may learn, need to learn to hear and sense his voice for direction in our lives in specific situations. But we can always know what his character and his nature is about. Now, I want to read the scripture again. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That's, that really is good for a Selah moment. Because there are many folks that think you can't understand and know God. Not just know, but understand him. Look at that, understand him. Be able to catch where he's coming from, where he's going, knowing what his thought processes are. You may not, we may not figure out how a particular blessing is going to find its way to us. But we can know that God is blessed. We may not know exactly, you know, all the intricate parts of his mercy and how he'll get it to us. But we know that it's there. And that's the way that he deals with us as his people. And all through the Bible, like I was sharing with some 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 couple of brothers yesterday, all through the scriptures, we see his mercy is forever. His mercy is forever. His mercy is forever. Some of us may want to pass judgment on some people and blow them up. But God says, my mercy is forever. There's another scripture I remember I read from and and maybe it'll come up later on. I learned it from Derek Prince a number of years ago. And he talked about judgment being a strange act of God. That is something judgment. You when he's got to blow a boom on something or somebody, that's not a normal course of action for him. That's something that he has to do when there's no recourse for anything else. It's an unnatural act for him. Because his mercy is what he's all about. All he wants to do is show goodness to people. (laughs) That's hard for some folk to understand. See, but we got to get our thinking straight with where his is. 
You know, we, we, I mean, we're quick want to pull out the gun and go, bam, just blow somebody up, blow their guts out. But that's not the way the Lord is. And he's patient and long-suffering. He'll just, man, he'll wait out as long as he possibly can. So he said, let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. I exercise loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Then he says, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. So he says, I'm, I'm happy about doing this stuff in the earth. Amen. Okay, let's go to Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. God says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that we can say we're required to do and need to do, but God says, You know what I desire more than anything else? <laughs> I desire mercy and that you have the knowledge of who I am. Then finally, John 17, verses 1 through 3. John 17, 1 through 3. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As you've given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they might what? Know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So notice this, you know, no one's going to go with this way this morning, but get this little picture of where God is coming from. See him as our creator and on the inside, the thing that he's yearning for. More than anything else where his people are concerned is to be known by them. Yes. Just think about that for a little bit. Now, that's not that's not the the, the 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 normal way that people think about God and what's coming out of his heart. But what he wants more than anything is for his people to know him. Think about that. He's not trying to hide from us. He's not trying to hide from mankind. Now, you think about it. Think about yourself. And think about maybe being misunderstood by another man or woman, boy or girl, and the way that that makes you feel. They think that you're one way, but yet on the inside of you, you are something totally different. You want people to understand who you really are and not misunderstand or misrepresent who you are. Isn't that right? All right. Someone goes about saying, you, you know what? You know that Nick guy? I mean, he's just a crook. And, and, and he just takes from everybody. He never gives nothing to anybody. And, you know, now, now my ears hear that. And I'm thinking, man, you don't know who I am. You don't know me. And so my heart would yearn for you to have an understanding that I'm not a taker, but a giver. All right. Now, think about yourself. You know, that, that would be the way that you would respond if you, you heard conversation going on about you about something, some part of your character that, is, that you're not like that. And you think, man, that's not the way I am. How can I help people understand who I really am? That's what you think, right? Okay, I guess not. Okay. <laughs> but you, you, you get my drift, right? Well, and this is the way that the Lord is. And for, for almost all of mankind's history, God has been misrepresented about what his character and nature are all about. People don't want to come to him today, right now, because they think he's holding grudges against them and is looking to just burn them up and slice them up and, and just destroy their lives when that's not his major priority for them. And I believe that's why so many people today, they don't, they don't know or want to come to the Lord because they don't understand what he's really at. like. If, if many people understood how God, how merciful he is, I bet you there'd be a whole lot more people that would be willing to come to him and serve him and give their lives to him. And so that's what part of our function and responsibility is, is to show people not how bad God is, not that he's waiting behind, you know, behind the corner to bash him in the head when they come around the corner, but that he's good. <laughs> And that he has good for every single being alive. God bless you on the face of this earth. All right. So little review here. Clear vision begins with knowing the Lord, his nature, how he thinks and how he does things. God does what he reveals himself to us through his word. 
Satan, we found out, he's always attempted to challenge the word of God. And the Bible is presently and has been being challenged for centuries. I want you to lock in on this one here because this is very important. A key to safely understanding and rightly dividing the scriptures is to understand the character of God, how he does things and his desire for man to be like him. This is important. If you run across scriptures that you have a difficult time dealing with, or if you run across things that maybe men have misrepresented in what we have as the scriptures in front of us, there are some things that will help us to be able to rightly divide the word of God. And especially when it comes to understanding what his heart is towards mankind. You got to get this. All right. We 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 want to understand his character, how he does things and his desire for man to be like him. Amen. For us to stand strong and be not be deceived, we must know the Lord and how his mind works. Let's look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We didn't look at this last week. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 12, and then verse 16. This is one of the greatest chapters on spiritual maturity in the New Testament. We'll take a few scriptures out of it. Verse 10 through verse 12. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. <laughs> For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Then down to verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? <clears throat> but we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Now, everything begins with words, whether it be God's word or our words. Somebody say, well, how could you, you know, kind of move our words into that. Well, Proverbs 18, 20 and 21, especially verse 21, tells us that death and life are where in the power of the tongue. So we can choose not to speak God's word. We can choose our own words or death words, and they're going to bring uh, things to pass in our lives because that's what we chose and we love and we adhere to. Let's turn to that scripture in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So we should always keep in memory where the power is. It's in our mouth, in our tongue. Okay. Now, the Lord, we found out, has placed man in a word system. We will experience life or death based on what we say, and we will function that way because the Lord made it that way. We may choose the words we speak, but we cannot choose as to whether or not we will be governed by this word system. All right. Remember, in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus told us that we were going to be judged by what we say. He said, well, let's just turn there and read it together. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. He said that a good man, verse 35, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Verse 36, but I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words, you shall be justified and by your words, you shall be condemned. I think that should cause us to think a whole lot about what we are doing with the words that come out of our mouths. Yeah. If Jesus himself told us that every idle word that we speak, that we'd have to give account of. So he's mean, he's mean, he's telling us that was this a premium and a value that is supposed to be placed on the words of our mouths. Because he said, if you just, you know, let your mouth run all over the place, you're going to give account for idle or inoperative words, words that are of no value, that don't, you know, have any purpose of bringing anything to pass that God would have 
bring to pass in our lives is good. He said, so we should be, there should be a high premium on what comes out of our mouth. We should think before we speak. And we should listen more than we talk. That's what James told us. We should be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And you're going to find out something if you haven't already. People that are mature or that are moving towards maturity, you're going to find out that they're not flapping their jaws all the time. Because they're thinking about how important the things are that come out of their mouths. This is very important. Somebody said, well, whatever just comes up, comes out. You need to put a cap on that. Because right. <laughs> whatever comes up shouldn't just fly out. Amen. You should muse on some things a little while before you say them. Yeah. Amen. Then he said, for by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. But that, that's pretty powerful there. Yeah. All right. So. The power of the tongue, as we read from um, Proverbs 18:21, that the word power is from the Hebrew word hand. And I, the, last week I said I only heard one preacher talk about it. There are two of them that I heard over the course of my life that have mentioned that this word power is actually the word for hand. And so the tongue, the Bible is telling us that the tongue is like a hand. Now, you know what your hand is like, right? Your hand really, I remember years ago, the, the first message that I ever preached on intercession and, and talking about the hand of God and looking at the hand as being something that actually is an intercession. That hand of yours or mine, when we want something, but uh, there are things that go on in our brains, right? There's a desire. And like if I wanted to pick up this tablet, all right, there's things working in me. My eyes are seeing it on the inside. I want it to bring it to me. But I can't just look at it and go, whoop, and I got it. No. I reach out my what? Hand. To go get it and bring it to me. Right? So what God is saying to us is that that's the way that our tongue is. Our tongues are that way. That when we have desire of something. We should be wise enough to hook up with God and his word and what's right and learn to speak what's right so that with him and what he gave us to do, we're bringing what's right to us through what we say. We have such a difficulty and a problem with it because in most of our lives, we're trying to work a fountain that's got both sweet water and bitter coming out of it. And that's where our biggest problem is, is because we can, we've got more than one thing going on on the inside of our hearts. We've got, try, you, you remember in mathematics, they tell you a negative times a positive is going to be what? It's a negative. So we're not going to be, we, we, the issues that we have are really what's inside of here. Because what's in here, in the heart, is what's going to come out of the mouth. And so if we have a double heart or double-minded, then that, we're going to have challenges. So we got to really, you know, the, the bottom line is we got to fix what's in here. So that we do declare what's in agreement with God. All right? That's, you know, down the line maybe. But that's important to us. But now remember, this tongue, the Bible says, the power, or the, 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 it's, it's like a hand. The power of life and death. It's in life and life, death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Right. So my words are very, 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 very important. All right. Now, in the kingdom of God, remember, the little things are of great importance. Let us be people who always recognize that the small things are what's important. In life, natural man thinks of all the big, great and grand things. And those are the most important things. A lot of this, a lot of that. And there's nothing wrong with a lot of this and a lot of that if they're good things. But in the kingdom of God, all those big and great and grand things, they start with little things. Right. And the little things are the most important things in the kingdom of God. We need to remind ourselves of this scripture over in Mark 4. Let's look at it. Verse 26 to 32. Verses 26 to 32. The little things, little things. Never treat little things insignificantly. 
I found out in my life, as I go around and I deal with people, I'm always sowing some kind of little seed, a word, a little thing, giving somebody something. You know, it's, it's amazing how much the small things. And maybe you don't have to preach or, t- you know, speak a thousand words. Two words are words that two, those two words may make a difference in somebody's life. You know what? Because they won't remember those two specific words that you spoke into their lives. Think about it. You call somebody or somebody called you ugly when you were a little child. And that one word, ugly, there's no telling how long that word followed you in your life. And what you had to do to weed that out of you. You remember there was a time I told you one guy when I was growing up called me saucer lips. And those two lips, those two words, it, it took me years to weed that out of me. You, you know, when someone is an adolescent and you speak certain things into their lives, the impact that it has upon them, they're, they're trying to find their identity and trying to understand who they are. And they're having problems, you, you know, with, with zits and their feet being longer than the rest of their body and all kind of crazy things going on that, you know, they mess with their image of who they feel they are. And you come along and you speak something crazy into their lives. Like, this is why it's important for, for, for moms and dads to speak good things into the lives of the children. Because if we don't, we don't, we speak these crazy, ugly things. You don't know how long it may take for somebody to get over that. And some people never get over those things. Never. Because they don't have the intestinal fortitude. They don't have the knowledge of God and his word to be able to flush that stuff out. They don't have an understanding who, of who God says they are and means for them to be. So some people never flush it out. And they, 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 it ends up wrecking their lives. It took me a while to weed that out. But I got it out. <laughs> By God's word, I got it out. Hallelujah. And you can call me saucer lips all day. Yeah, I might serve you a cup of tea. You know what? <laughs> Slide it to you on my lips and laugh. Huh? <laughs> Don't bother me at all. Hallelujah. All right. So now Mark 4 verses 26 through 32. Look at what Jesus said here. He said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. He didn't say, so is the kingdom of God, as if you see all of heaven shining before you. He said, so is the kingdom of God. This is the way the kingdom of God works and operates. If you take a seed and cast it into the ground and what the seed, the seed into the ground and should sleep and rise day and night and the seed should spring and grow up. He doesn't know how for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn or grain in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? (laughs) (laughs) What can we compare the kingdom of God to? What's it like? It's like a grain of mustard seed which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. So he tells us, think about the kingdom. What's it like? What are you going to compare it to? Just a little old mustard seed that you could hardly see if you had it in your hand. Little things are important. Words are seeds. Words are mostly kindling. They get things going. They spark stuff. So now we made a decision last week, right, that we're going to skillfully use our words. And we're going to kindle some good stuff, right? Yeah, anybody remember that? Okay, hallelujah. All right, now. Here's what I want to bring today to attach on to this. Let's go to James chapter one. I would believe that the Holy Spirit would want to impress upon us how important the words of our mouths are. Important to God. He made a word system. He's in it himself. He operates that way and he put man in it. And so what we say should be very, very important to all of us. Now, James 1, 26 and 27. Quite interesting here. 
He said, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. But now look at verse 26 again. It says, if any man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Huh? You, know, you know, I might do a lot of good things. But he's telling me here that if I don't bridle my tongue, my religion is vain. Somebody said, duh. Imagine I could do exactly what he says here in verse 27, which I'm supposed to. Is a uh, visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. I could do good things. I could feed the poor. I could do a lot of wonderful things that are good things that I should do. But God said, I didn't write this. God said it. He said, if I don't bridle my tongue, my religion is vain. So that lets us see the import of these. The, the, I mean, really, where God is concerned, how important it is for us to do right with our words. So that must mean that words trigger all kinds of things. And as far as God is concerned, it's a very high priority that I think about what I say. Now, let's look at this a little bit, because you notice he uses the word religion here, pure religion. If any man seemed to be religious. Now, the word religion has gotten a bad rap over the years, and especially around people that, you know, consider ourselves to be real serious about the word. But James uses the word here. Religion. Now, I, 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 I pulled out a few definitions of the word to, to help us to see, first of all, it's not a bad word. And secondly, to see how that word fits in the scheme of what God talks about being important to him and should be important to us. So let's let's look at a few things from Strong's and Thayer's. It's the the Greek word means ceremonial or external aspects of worship. It's the word religion. Ceremonial or external aspects of religion. So in other words, what we do in our Christianity or our quote unquote, our religion or our relationship with God, what we do ceremonially or externally. Okay. Where our worship is concerned. I, I went to Webster's 1828 dictionary too, and he defines it as to bind anew. Originally, this word was to have, to have signified an oath or vow to the gods or the obligation of such an oath or vow, which was held very sacred by the Romans. So when you look at that word religion, it has something to do with an oath or a vow. You were going, you were telling the gods that you were going to live a particular way or you were going to do this. You were going to, you were going to fulfill an obligation to them. What you say? All right. What else did he say? He said it's practical piety, real piety in practice, consisting in the performance of all known duties to God and our fellow men in obedience to divine command. It's the performance of the duties we owe directly to God from a principle of obedience to his will. So basically, this word religion is it's, it hinges on. What we say we're going to do and what we do, it has to do with the ceremonies of our worship. It has to do with the external things that we do that are supposed to represent our worship. OK, you with me? Yeah. All right. So now. He says that every aspect. Of religion. All the things that we can do. Become vain if we don't bridle. Our tongue. <laughs> I know this is probably not the most common stuff that we would think about wanting to deal with and, and talk about, but this is what the Bible says. 
Now, if God says everything else is going to be vain if I don't bridle my tongue, then man, I need to think about bridling my tongue. Isn't it right? James 3, 8 through 18. So let's, let's take a peek at this scripture again. All aspects of religion are vain or void of results, which is what vain means, if one fails to bridle his or her tongue. All right, from verse 8 in James 3. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. When we read that, we have to remind ourselves that it's telling us that the tongue, nobody can tame it with the natural power of man. We need to always keep that in mind. Because if it couldn't be tamed, then everything else we're talking about and everything else God's talking about with the tongue and control it is just totally and completely off the mark. So you got to read up above that when you read this and you see how God talked about us taming animals and all that kind of stuff. So he's talking about the natural power. You can't you, you, you cannot just do stuff naturally to tame your tongue. The word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit has to be what we have in order for us to tame and bridle our tongues. All right. Then he says, with that tongue, we bless God, even the father. And with the same tongue, we curse men who are made in the image of God. Oh. He said, out of the, the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. He says, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. So let's think on that for a minute. Muse on it a little bit. Think about yourself. I think about myself. I'm not supposed to be blessing God and cursing men. I shouldn't be cursing God either. <laughs> Like, 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 like Joe's silly wife encouraged him to do. Why don't you just curse God and die? No, we don't want to do that. All right. But we want to work at, with God's help, coming to the place in life where the sweet water is what's coming out of our mouths. Now, somebody would say, well, you know, what if I need to tell somebody something that they did that wasn't right? Or what if I need to correct somebody? Well, we can still do it in the right spirit, which we're going to read through some scriptures a little bit later on that will show us that. So it doesn't mean that we just go around all <laughs> and pity patting. You know, there are times that we might have to be firm with somebody or tell somebody something that maybe they might not like. But there's a way that we can do it that brings blessing or at least puts a platform for blessing there and not cursing. See, I don't think there's anybody, you know, they got to be super, super mature that if you come and you got something to tell them and you want to blast them out of the water that, you know, they're going to think they're going to put up all their roadblocks and signs and, and metal walls and say, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who you think you are? I know what you did yesterday. How you come blasting me like that? Hold up. But now if you come and say, you know what? Hey. I just, I just noticed something. I think I need to share with you. You know, I don't, I don't look at myself as being totally and completely, you know, perfect. But here, you know, I'm thinking this may, maybe this will help you if I told you this, and blah, 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 or whatever it may be. Don't you think you'd have a whole lot more success in communicating with somebody like that as opposed to just coming and laying a hammer on them and blasting them and judging them? All right. So there are times that we do have to say things to people that may not be comfortable. But what I'm saying here is that God would say to us, you're not looking to hurt, to injure, or to destroy people through what you say because of how you say it. All right, so now he goes on. He says, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So as believers, we got to make a decision. So we, we want some power to flow through what we say. Then we got to fix the fountain. We have to do something with the inside where it comes from. We've got to take what, what God starts to talk about here with his wisdom. He said, who's a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or good manner of life his works with meekness of wisdom. That's that religion he was talking about. 
But if you have bitter, now he, here he comes to get to the point. The whole crux of the matter right here. He said, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, notice he said envy and strife. And then in one sense, he said bitter envy and strife. He said, if it's in your heart. See, so here's where all the ugly stuff comes from. And where on one hand, I'll say hallelujah with my right hand and with my left hand, ah, you ain't no good. <laughs> and he said, the two ain't supposed to be coming out the same fountain. So now, if James said it, means that God said it, I have to check my heart for envy and strife. Am I contentious? Am I looking at other people and I'm, I'm, I'm envious at what they have and where their life is at? Now, I know we may not want to deal with these things, but see, God is saying we need to go to the heart of the matter. Do I want to keep things stirred up? Am I somebody who's always, or, you know, most of the time I'm talking bad about other people? Am I slandering other people? Am I breaking them down? Am I comparing myself to them? Because, see, i got to go to and i got to find out what the root is of all this stuff that's coming out of my mouth that's not right. Because right. i got to find that root, and i got to cut that thing up. Cut it out. Clear out all the junk. And then put some good seeds in here, which God tells us what his wisdom is all about. Put them in there and put them in my heart. And start believing for good and the best for other people. Yes. See, a lot of the trash that comes out of us and the way that we talk about other people, we can we can trace a lot of it back to those two things. There are more things, but we can trace it back to those two things. Bitter envy and strife. But I ain't striving with nobody. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in my heart? What's going on in our hearts? Right. Where nobody can see with their eyes. Right. But as we move along in life, we can become sensitive to what's going on because of how we listen to people and ourselves talk. This will help us. It'll help us a lot. And as we deal with ourselves, what happens as we're, 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 we get more in harmony with God, with what's in here, we'll get more in harmony with him, with what comes out of here. And more will happen with what we say. But we have to deal with these heart issues. We have to deal with them. I would present this to ourselves. Let's listen to ourselves talk to other people. Listen to how we talk. And then as we, we sense things wanting to come out of our mouths that may not be appropriate, and we're going to see what God calls appropriate in some other scriptures. Then we should think, oh, wait, 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 let me, let me, let me, let me look at that for a moment here. Let me look at me. See, because many of us, we're always looking at other people. Let me look at me. You, you know what I'm saying? We always want to look at somebody else. Boy, they ain't doing that. Why, why come they ain't doing that? How come they like that? I wouldn't do it like that. Let's not shout too loud. <laughs> I mean, that's the way we've been. And all of us, in some way or another. Man, how come they tie their, their left shoe less tight than they do their right one? I mean, we can get so nitpicky. That we're, it's like we're searching. 
searching for something that we can criticize and judge somebody about. We got to stop that, don't we? Yeah, we do. We have to stop it. Because it is hindering and shutting things down in our lives. You're not God. I'm not God. I don't sit on a throne over your life judging you. I'm not supposed to. Nor you, me, or us, anybody. Nobody. You know what? We, we do not know what's on the inside of other people. Except the Holy Ghost reveal it, you don't. You might think you know, but you don't know why somebody's acting like they are. Unless you're quiet enough, and God trusts you enough to show you what's on the inside of somebody. And then, if that is the case, you're not going to come out and blurt out with things that are going to hurt them. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So. We look at that, what James says here, and we see all aspects of religion are vain, void of results, if one fails to bridle his or her tongue. Now, this major element of our religion is, the major element of religion is what we say with our mouths. So then what should we be saying? Let's look at some scriptures that will help us to see what we should be saying. Because it doesn't do any good to just say what we shouldn't be saying. We need to find out what we should be saying. Okay. So let's go to Hebrews chapter three, first of all. Hebrews three and verse one. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. If you look up that word, that Greek word is homologio. And it is a word that actually means to say the same thing. So first and foremost, we're to be looking for what God says. The way he would speak into people's lives. What does he want to do with people? This is why it becomes important for us to figure out the nature and the character of God. What is it that he wants to speak into the lives of people? When we look at him, the thing that he wants to do more than anything else is to build people up. Even if he has to correct you, it's still in the spirit of wanting you and I to become better. He wants to build us up, not tear us down. So we should find out what God says. What does he speak into the lives of people when he wants to build them up? He says in one place, he says, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'll beautify the meek with salvation. Uh-huh, really? So it looks to me like he wants, he wants to uh, beautify you, call you pretty, call you fine, call you handsome. Hello? Yeah. Clothe you in his clothing? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Come on now. This is where he's coming from. And even when he has to correct, he's going to do it in the same spirit that he tells us to deal with one another, which is to speak the truth in love. Not tell him how much of a dirty, rotten, dirty you are. You just. Hmm. Okay. So now let's look at some other scriptures. Let's go to Hebrew. Excuse me. Ephesians four. These scriptures will give us something to work with. Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 15 first, and then we'll go down to verses 25 and 26, and then 29 through 32. All right. 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So a goal of our words, when we have to speak them and we have to speak truth, because sometimes we have to speak truth that's not pat you on the back, truth. But yet we have to speak truth, but we have to bring it in such a way that we're thinking about helping somebody else grow up into what God wants them to be. 
That's the way you should speak into my life. That's the way we should speak. I should speak into yours. We should speak into each other's lives that way. When it's good, that's wonderful. We think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, wonderful. But then we might have to say something and say, listen, you didn't do me right. And I need to communicate in such a way that says, hey, you know what? Okay. You got to please God more than anybody else. I'm just kind of sharing something with you to help you. I happen to be the object here that you dealt with. Do you know what? I don't think God would have you to talk like that. And we do things in such a way that are going to help people to rise, rise. Everybody needs to rise. We need to be thinking we're trying to help everybody to rise, everybody to rise. Everybody. I didn't say it's all easy. But it's a commitment we have to make first and foremost to the Lord and then to other people as we speak into their lives. I was at the gym the other day and there's a guy that did. I mean, he did a thing that was a a mature thing to do. He got into a scuffle with with somebody and I wasn't there when it happened. And I wonder why I didn't see this guy for a while. And he sat himself out of the gym, took himself out of the gym. For, for a number of days, and then he, he came back. And when he came back, he got the men together. We, we meet in the middle of the court before we pray and play, and we pray. And he said, you know, I got something I need to say to you guys. And he said, you know, I have a, a habit of sometimes instigating and stirring things up and getting under people's skin. And there were some guys that were there when he did this. And he said, you know, y'all know what happened. Y'all, and, and he said, me and this other guy, we're about to come to blows. And he said, I was wrong in the way that I handled that. He said, I shouldn't talk like that. And he said, I was hoping this guy was here. Well, he, the other guy wasn't there. He said, but when, he's, when he comes, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him in front of y'all and let y'all know in, in front of everybody. I'm letting everybody know what I did was not right. And then he said, you know, I had to think about the fact that we're in a church. And so I thought about it when he, heard, when he said, and he got done. I said, hey, wait a minute, guys. I said, I want to kind of piggyback on what he said. I said, yeah, we are in the church. I said, but you know what's more, more important than us just being in the church? I said, it's understanding that if we're in Christ, we are the church. That's right. That's right. And so we don't want to gauge our speech and just judge it based on the physical place that we're in. We need to realize that on the inside is where we need to take care of business because if we're outside of a church, all we're thinking about is trying to, and see, the thing that's so crazy about this, we, and, and I've seen it, we try to govern ourselves inside that church gym and people still cuss. See, so you can't control what's going on with the natural power. You got to make a decision that on the inside, your words are going to be right. Because our people know, they know they're in the church and all of a sudden, ooh, <laughs> it just come flying out. Oh, I'm in the church. But that didn't change nothing. You in the church, but it slipped out. So it means I got to do something with what's in here. I've always got to work on what's in here. Every none of us are exempt. So anyway, I said that, and he's like, "Ooh, I turned on another light." And then I saw him later on before we left. I said, "You know what? You did a great thing." I said, "You did the mature thing." And I said, "Not only did you hold yourself accountable for what you did." Not only did you take responsibility for what you did, but by what you did, you put the rest of us on the spot because we are going to have to govern ourselves the same way. That's right. So now you talk about skillful use of words. And this guy don't know a whole lot about the scripture. But he's been listening to things that have been being spoken into his life. And at least he got a conscience. (laughs) Mm hmm. That's right. (laughs) So now, verses 25 and 26. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, what's a lie? Lying is not changing your mind. It is on purpose deceiving. So he says, put that away. And then he says, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And so you, <laughs> Lord help Jesus. Well, I'm going to do it. You may come to somebody. Do you, do you, do you really like me? Yeah. <laughs> 
and you think, hmm. You don't want to feel embarrassed because you don't like that person. So you say, yeah, I like you. Lying through your teeth. Isn't that right? So you might have to <coughs> clear your throat a little bit. Think some way, well, you know what? I like the way that you wear your socks. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you, you seem to dress pretty decent. But you know what? I do have some challenges liking you. Now, I don't know what will happen after that. I can't prophesy that. <laughs> I don't know what will happen. It depends on what's going on with them and how smooth you were and bringing your point across. Because <laughs> somebody said, what? You don't like me? What's your problem? You don't like me? You know, you think, Lord, I should have just lied. <laughs> See, but it's easier to do that than to deal with what needs to be dealt with. And here God is telling us, as uncomfortable go God as it may seem, he's saying, speak the truth in love. Because we're members one of another. Then he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He said, you can be angry, but don't sin. Neither give place to the devil. Let's just go ahead and read through here. Well, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But notice, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So check it out what he's saying. What I say is got to be for the use, for what edify means what? To build up. So I've got to be thinking construction, 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 construction. Not demolition, 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 demolition. Construction. How can I use the words to build up? And folk, it takes us practicing that. It takes us taking what God has said and what, he's, what he wants to do with people. And it also takes us wanting to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how we need to communicate with other people. So this is how he said to do it. He said, let all bitterness, verse 31. Well, let's, go, let's not miss verse 30. He said, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So obviously, corrupt communication is going to grieve the Holy Spirit. See? Now, not only do I need to watch what I say to other people, but I need to watch what I say to other people about other people. And sometimes this becomes more important because we take more time. Most of us take more time to talk to other people about somebody else than rather than talking to somebody else about somebody else. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> we'll talk to somebody else about that one over there. But how much will we go to that one over there and mouth to mouth and face to face deal with them? I'm just saying this. This is the way it is. For we, all of us in here have been around and living long enough to know that this is the way that most people deal with each other. We'll get with somebody and somebody will start. Why come? How come? But won't go and talk to the other person. Don't you go ask them, why you do what you do? <laughs> Why do you do it like you do it? We don't want to deal with that. Most of us don't want to deal with that. And it shows how punkish we really are. Because we would rather talk to somebody else about what somebody else is doing or not doing rather than to go to that person and say, you know what, how come? Why not? Why? 
If you want to get results and you want to help somebody grow and build them up, then what you want to do is go to them. And see, then what happens also is when we start tearing other people down in the ears of other people, then we cause the person that's hearing challenges and issues. Now, if they are not mature, then you know what's going to happen? Their opinion of that person is going to be slanted by what you're sticking in their ears. And if they are grown up enough to deal with it, they're going to not want to be around you. Because all you know, speaking negativity all the time, nobody wants to hear all that mess. It's like, see ya. Bye. Hey. Just trying to help the community. So he, he says, then he goes on, and he goes right back to like what James said. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Notice, bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, these are things that start on the inside. And so I got to put away that stuff. I got to need to figure out why, why do I got this stuff in me? And then deal with me. Get it out. So I can speak good into other people's lives. Most of the trash that we speak about when we talk about other people is because of the dissatisfaction we have within ourselves. So I got to deal with that. We have to deal with that if we're going to grow and we're going to do what God tells us to do. Either that or I think I'm so perfect that I can point the finger at everybody else can't happen like that, can it? No. Then he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Wow, Lord. Do you really mean I got to do that? <laughs> yeah. The same way that he did for me. It's what I have to learn to do towards others. Same way. Same way. So from the father, we see how important our words are. And especially when it comes to us dealing with one another. Let's just add this to what we started last week. Each one of us is a construction company. Whether you know it or not, we're a construction company when it comes to the people around us that are a part of the body of Christ that we love. We're a demolition company when it comes to the enemy. And like I heard Brother Hagen say years ago, and I realized he got it from the Psalms, and he talked about raising hell. And to raise it, when you raise a building, what are you doing? You're knocking it down. See, we have a right to do that where darkness is concerned. But with mankind, we're looking to build people up, even build up the sinners that are around us. I found it real interesting. And it's hard, you know, it's hard for them to receive at times. You're speaking good things into their lives, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. You will be amazed at what happens if people you start speaking good into their lives and it, it, it's, it's hard for them to receive it at first. But I tell you what, you will diffuse so much stuff when you start speaking good into the lives of people that don't even know God. Find something good about them and compliment it all. Compliment them on it. It might be the way they dribble with their offhand on a basketball court. You, whoa, I saw you did that left hand and you right handed. I saw that. Look at that. Just find something good. Let's do what we can to find something good. Try it. Can we do it, Didi? Didi, Didi, Didi. I know we can. Can we? We can do it, can we? I know we can. So let's work that. Look at your neighbor for a moment. 
preferably not the one that you came with or who's close to you. <laughs> Don't give it a hand now. Okay, but... Yeah. <laughs> But just, just, just speak this into their life. Tell them, say, you're a construction company. You are a builder. You are a builder where people are concerned, not a destroyer. So make a decision in your life. And if you have made it, stay with it. I am going to be a builder of other people's lives. I'm going to help others. I'm going to help them become stronger in what's good. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to help them to become everything that the Father means for them to be. And I am going to learn. You're going to learn. We are going to learn more and more about using our words skillfully. And if there's bitter envy, if there's judgment, if there's strife, if there's wrath on your inside, ask the Holy Spirit to help you deal with it. And guess what? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to deal with those things, clean them out so that I can be a fountain. That brings forth sweet water, sweet water, sweet water, sweet water, sweet water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your words to us today. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for helping us all today. And thank you for helping us to keep our focus where it belongs in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.